Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, a question for you? Ask away. Have you ever experienced urinary incontinence? I'm not going to answer that. (laughs) All right. Well, I shall be open and forthright and tell you that I feel that I'm destined to. Because I've been to a lot of family gatherings. Yeah. Where, you know, people Where start- Where you peed your pants? Not me, myself. But um, I'm destined for it because uh, the ladies in my family get to laughing real hard at something. And then they all got to run to the bathroom. And if we're in a place with limited bathrooms, watch out. You, you know, Molly, you tend to you, you tend to be pretty private about, um, about your personal life on yeah. the podcast. Yeah. And I am- well, because I'm telling stories about other people right now. <laughs> yeah, but it's reflective on yourself. You I know. know. I well, I think this it's is re- a very this is a moment, Molly. You really, you really opening up. Well, I think it shows I have a really funny family that we laugh so much that uh, that you pee, that we pee a lot. I mean, you bring an extra pair of pants to our family <laughs> reunion on my family. So yeah, I do feel that um, I'm gonna have a probably a, if if genetics plays into this at all, which I believe it does, I'm gonna have some problems with urinary incontinence. Putting it out there right now. But luckily this week I learned all about the exercise I need uh, to stave that off, you know, uh, and that is the Kegel. The Kegel, which some people pronounce Kegel, but Webster's Medical Dictionary pronounces it both Kegel and Kegel. Either will do tomato, tomato, Kegel, Kegel. And we're going to call it Kegel. Because it rhymes with bagel. Yes. Which is what I have for breakfast this morning. There we go. And so now I will forever associate bagels with urine and your um, <laughs> pee, pee and grandmas. <laughs> well, Kristen, leaving that aside, ruining my favorite breakfast food by mixing it up with urine, I uh, mm. want to take us back to the 1940s when one Dr. Arnold Cagle, uh, OBGYN in California, said, I am noticing that there's a lot of urinary incontinence after women have a child. I have come up with this exercise to strengthen the pelvic floor, and I'm going to name it after myself because we all love being associated with the pelvic floor. Right. Gave birth to the Kegel exercise. And, you know, it's it's considered sort of the primary you know, first response to urinary incontinence. And that's funny because I was really surprised to learn about this incontinence link because I'd always heard about Kegels in the context of sex. Well, and that's the thing is that Dr. Kegel gives this exercise to all these women so that they can uh, strengthen their pelvic floors and hopefully experience fewer incidents of incontinence. And then, like, later, these women would whisper to him, by the way, I'm finding that this improves my orgasm. And uh, it's, it's a fortunate side effect that Lady Mags have picked up on since then. But the main reason it's usually used is if you have uh, urinary incontinence and men who have urinary incontinence after prostate surgery. Mm-hmm. So it is for men and women. So a lot of people probably know what uh, Kegel exercise is involved, but let's get down to brass tacks about it. Okay. okay. It basically involves clenching your pubococcygeus muscle over and over. And the way people tell you to find this is to pretend you're urinating and then pretend like you have to stop uh, the urine from flowing. And when that muscle is the muscle you're supposed to squeeze. But doctors say, don't actually do that when you are urinating. Just maybe <laughs> once like to figure out the muscle, but don't do it over and over again. That's not, not going to help things. And while you're doing your kegels, you want to keep the following muscles relaxed, uh, which would be the abdominal muscles, your buttocks, and your thighs. 
So this isn't like squeeze, a full body clench. Yeah. You just focus on the pubococcygeus, is that what it was? Yeah, if you if you squeeze the wrong muscles with you, you're working the wrong thing. Um, and some people just can't figure out which muscle they need to be squeezing. And if that's the case, you can go to a doctor and they'll do a, met- a method called biofeedback, which is where they will essentially put electrodes on the abdomen and along the anal area to make sure you are squeezing the right thing. But if you really want to maximize your Kegel exercise, there's some equipment you can use too. Yes, you can use um, cones and weights. Vaginal cones. Yeah, there are a lot of health studies out there about the efficiency of vaginal cones. Yeah, you basically like put these weights. Um, if you are a, a, a woman, you have uh, some lady parts, you, you put weights essentially into your vagina and clench it to hold it in there. Yep. But you don't have to. You can just do the regular. Yeah. No weights at all. And if you do that, uh, they recommend that you do it on an empty bladder, that you tighten the muscle and hold for a count of 10, and then relax completely for a count of 10. And the sources we found recommended doing 10 exercises three times a day. You can do them lying down. You can do them sitting in a chair. And don't expect to see a ton of results for about four to six weeks. And supposedly after three months, you would see a, quote, major change. And these are the exercises that you'll always see people say, you can do it like while you're on the bus. You can do it while you're standing in line. I might be doing some right now. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's it's not something that... Re- requires a ton of, I was about to say requires a ton of equipment, but we just talked about vaginal cones. But if you're doing your basic Kegel, that's the one that everyone's like, do it all the time, do it everywhere. And uh, I did find a Kegel song that if you uh, need help musically, if, you know, working out to Madonna or Lady Gaga doesn't do it for you, you can download a Kegel song that will tell you when to squeeze. Um, I think if you just Google Kegel song, it'll be pretty easy to find. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about incontinence since it is something that so many women deal with. Yes. Among women ages 30 to 39, and that's pretty young, just 30 to 39. Well, they probably just had a baby. Yeah. An estimated 28%. And that's where that one in three comes in. I experienced some loss of urinary control. And you know, you, you made the point of saying that's pretty young. I think that we do all associate urinary incontinence with an older woman. Yeah, it reminds me. Or an me, older man. You remember that old SNL sketch, Oops, I Crap My Pants? Yes. I mean, this is really what's coming to mind over and over again. <laughs> the the sweet the sweet tea being poured into a giant diaper. Um, another image that's going to be hard to get out of my head for the rest of the podcast, Kristen. Put that together with your bagels, Molly. <laughs> and because we do associate it with an elder, elder group of people, very few women talk to their doctors about it. There are some uh, estimates that say less than 50% who experience this talk to their doctors about it. I've seen something that says like a quarter of women talk to their doctors about it, and they'll suffer for years and years before they'll bring it up. You know, mm-hmm. I was reading about how a lot of women experience this when they're jogging. They'll just be jogging and all of a sudden urine mm-hmm. and they'll just stop jogging. And, you know, that's really not the best answer. You should probably see if you can maybe kegel it out before you give up jogging altogether. And there's a link between incontinence and depression, not surprisingly. And it's sort of, there's a correlation causation question that comes up a lot with it. We're not, they're not sure whether or not it's the incontinence that leads to depression because it's got to be tough if you're going throughout your, your day-to-day routine, not knowing whether or not you're going to need a change of pants. Mm-hmm. Um, or if the serotonin neurotransmitters are somehow interfering with um, chemicals that affect the bladder. Urinary incontinence can also happen during sex. So we're mixing two of the most awkward things to talk about, sex and urine. 
So be aware of that. And so the, the point of the matter is, is that usually if you do ask a doctor about it, one of the first things they probably will ask is if you are doing Kegels. So even though, I mean, thinking about this, even though, uh, there, there's like, I would say a misconception about the point of kegels. Mm-hmm. You know, in popular culture, it's all related to sex. But maybe that's a good thing because, um, you know, since incontinence is affecting so many younger women, you know, and it, it might be kind of taboo. Maybe it's a good thing that the kegels are this kind of accepted exercise because we relate it to the bedroom rather than the bathroom. True. Now, I did come across one interesting article that I wanted to talk about because I feel like with the proliferation of Kegel exercises, information in like Cosmo and Glamour and all that, because we do associate it with with sex, there's this question of when should you start doing Kegels? And a lot of the research about incontinence says you, you sort of start once you have that problem. But is it preventative? And I don't think doctors really know that, but a really interesting article from 2008 in the New York Times talked about this woman, Dr. Laurie Romanzi, who opened a gynecological practice that was sort of based around the idea of a pelvic spa mm-hmm. and what was essentially, you know, a, a, a gynecological exam turned into a, this treatment where she taught you how to do a Kegel and you treated it like a spa day. Yeah. And it was called FIT, P-H-I-T. What was the acronym stand for? Do you remember? Pelvic Health Integrated Techniques. And we tried to figure out whether or not this place in New York is still open because the article was from 2008 and we're not exactly sure. I don't know if, I don't know if the, uh, the Kegel Spa really picked up. And there was a lot of criticism in this article about, you know, it's not clear whether, you know, if someone who hasn't had a baby who's very young comes to this doctor and learns how to properly do a Kegel, this doctor is alleging that it's, quote, the dental floss of feminine fitness. That it's just something you should do to keep that area into shape. But a lot of doctors responded to her and said, there's no evidence that a young woman who starts doing Kegel exercises will decrease her chances of pelvic problems later in life. Mm-hmm. So maybe they still can get some of those sexual benefits. They'll experience stronger orgasms, have a better time in the bedroom. But... We don't know if it affects the incontinence problems quite so much. But before we wrap things up, we should mention that in addition to Kegel exercises, there are some simple lifestyle change. Well, not necessarily simple, but lifestyle changes that people can make that can help reduce incontinence, such as losing weight, reducing their intakes of liquids and cutting back on caffeine, booze and smoking. And don't forget, if you have trouble doing your Kegels by yourself, Get a man in on the game with you. They do it the same way. They, they try and wait for that muscle to stop the urination, and then they just squeeze it. His and hers kegels. His and hers kegels. You know, Molly, you and I could, you know, if we, if we ever need to partner up, since you're kind of worried about your incontinence, <laughs> I, I would I would do some kegels you with you. You would do kegels with me? Yeah. That, I think, is one of the sweetest you offers. Bring, you bring the bagels, I'll do some kegels. Awesome. It's a date. All right. All right. Uh, let us know what you guys think. Uh, have you had great experiences with kegels? Have you seen them work in your own life? Are you annoyed that we haven't been calling them kegels the whole time? Oh, I bet there's a lot of you who are. you are. Would you go to a kegel spa? That's an interesting question. And as always, you can email us any of those thoughts. Uh, or anything else on your mind at momstuff at howstuffworks.com and I shall read an email from that very address and it is from Grace. And she writes, I was cleaning my room and when I was looking in my closet, I found an old American girl doll from when I was about 10. It was Molly, who was always one of my favorites because we looked alike and I think Molly is a fantastic name, which it is, Grace. Thank you for saying that. 
Um, but then I started to reminisce about the days when I would play with my American Girl doll with my younger sister, who had Kirsten. But because she couldn't pronounce it at the time she was barely five, she became Kristen. I realized it probably isn't that interesting, but I thought it was quite a coincidence that my favorite thing to pass the time when I was kid when I was a kid was Kristen and Molly, and now I listen to you two. That is adorable. Is that not the most adorable thing you've ever heard? It's so cute. Um, well, I've got an email here from Tom, and this is in response to an older podcast we did on whether men and women donate differently. And he writes, in your podcast, you used words such as stingy and selfish when describing men's donating habits compared to women. Based on your other podcasts, I'm surprised you didn't talk about the role we have in society and that traditionally I would say that still statistically a man is the provider and must make money for his family. I think that plays a, and this is in all caps, people, a huge role in donating habits, family or not. This is in our DNA to provide and prepare. I know women are making more money and making a jump up the professional ladder, but let's not forget you can still marry a rich man, donate his money, and not be shunned in our society. Men still have, and this is again all caps, huge pressure of having to be the provider, and that plays a huge role. So, there you go. Huge. Huge. I've got some huge comments for you, Tom, but I will keep them to myself. If you guys have any comments to send our way, again, our email is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. Hit us up on Facebook, too. That's a great way to get in touch and uh, interact with other listeners. And you can hit us up on Facebook as well. It is at momstuffpodcast. And finally, you can read our blog during the week, Stuff Mom Never Told You, at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?